Welcome to Kashmir on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashmir Magazine. I'm glad to be back with you to discuss some very important issues that I think everyone will benefit from. And we want to hear from you today. I want to make sure that I get an idea, I want to gauge how many people are listening to me as I speak now, and even how many people listen later on. Doesn't make a difference if you're listening when it's recorded, archived on jrootradio.com, or you're listening live on an app, or you're listening in a, or you, or you're listening on the internet right now. Whatever it is, we want to hear from you. So you can call us anytime. We'll put you right through. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. We'll discuss your question or your comment as soon as you call in. Only I have a special request. Someone came to me today and he said, All right, Wickler, I don't care what you discuss on the radio, but I don't want to hear about 7-Eleven on any, any of the 7-Elevens. So I'm not going to give anything about 7-Elevens today. If you're calling about 7-Eleven, call another time. Today, let's talk about anything else you want to talk about. You can call us at 718-683-5858. And I can see the text line if you want to text in. 347-927-8398, 347-927-8398. But before we begin, and I see we got caught this already, but before we begin, I want to share with you a couple of points that people raised, and they asked me to talk about it on the radio, let everybody know about it. I had a call uh, about a week ago, you know, it's right after Sukkot, and somebody called me up with a Shiloh. They said, listen, I've heard on the radio from you about this problem on this on the different uh, citrus fruits that there are. And it's not just citrus fruits, on, on, on blueberries and on, uh, on uh, oranges and on uh, pineapples and all these things. And the citrus fruits, sometimes there are these insects, we call them uh, scale. And scale insect covers itself over, but inside is an insect. And a lot of times in the process of the juices or in the case of um, you know, the blueberries, the scale cannot be taken off and it doesn't come off and it ends up in your food. So this gentleman asked me, he's a yeshivisha fellow, a uh, young fellow, and he asked me, i going to make, uh, after sukkahs, we make a jelly from the uh, esrogim, an esrog jelly, the very famous type of Michael, everybody enjoys it, and they make esrog jelly, and he wants to know if there's any concern about the scale. So I discussed a little with him, and then I asked him, I said, do you know that there's a different issue that most of the uh, esrogim are coming from Eretz Israel, and if it comes from Eretz Israel, there's a din of truma and meiser. You have to remove the truma and meiser from the product before you use it. And he what? I said, yeah, you can't take trumas and mices off everything that's growing in Eretz Israel. Even if you buy it in Chutzlar, you still have to take it off. Really? Yes, I told him that's, the, that's what it is. In fact, about a week, a couple of days later, he called me up and he said to me, Rabbi Wickler, I want to tell you, I spoke to a lot of people and no one knew it. So it proves the old rule, which I knew years ago, that when, when people... Uh, you know, they hear, so it seems that every few years or every few months, new people come in who 
weren't aware of something, and you really have to start saying that the whole thing again. So even though we're not going to discuss 7-Eleven, really people do need to hear these things constantly because people don't know. And he asked me, I should go on the radio and mention that when you're taking things from Eretz Yisrael, the Srogim, you really have to be concerned about Truvis and Mises, how to do that. I'm not going to get into it today. You ask your own Rav. There's things you can go on the websites and on the internet and find out how to do it. Look up in a safer. But right now, I don't want to get lost in that. Maybe someday we'll discuss it more at length. So that was one point. And the other point that somebody else raised to me, he said, you know, Rabbi Wickler, uh, it was right at the Sukkot. He said, I want you to know, I mean, of course, it's too late, but you should know for the next year, and people should be aware that a lot of times the Sukkot that are put up outside the restaurants are not put up properly. I remember in the old days, the problem was that the the walls, the sides of the sukkah flap back and forth, and they made changes in the sukkahs, and today those walls don't flap so much. I think some of them are pretty good, and they don't have the problem of old. But there is a problem this person pointed out, and he is a person who works in halacha all the time, put out svarim in it, and he said to me, I've seen a number of sukkahs that are under the eaves of the that are covering over into the street. In other words, you have it, the eaves means the the jetting out of the walls of the uh, you know, from the top from the roof comes out over uh, the, the walls, so that from the building, from the store, from the restaurant, and you're putting the sukkah underneath that. So on, you're putting that part of the sukkah under something. You can't put a sukkah under a tree, under a roof. You have to put it in the open air. And the sukkahs, partly, a very good percentage, are under the eaves of the building itself. And they put chairs there. And people are eating in there because it's crowded. The little sukkahs and a lot of people eating in there, they're crowded and people are sitting under the eaves and they're not kosher. And the Rav is giving hashkacha. And he uh, he's spoken to the Rav on him, this man, and he said to me that they, they, don't take, they don't take it seriously. They say, we're not responsible for the sukkah. So here we go, you know, you can see the hashkacha on the store, and you have to figure it's going only on the food produced in the store, in the restaurant. But if you decide to eat in the sukkah, you better bring along a safer to see if the sukkah is kosher, or at least you know, use your own seichel to realize that part, if it's underneath the eaves, that part is not valid as a sukkah. And now we have somebody waiting in the line, we'll take that call, and you could call us at 718-683-5858 to ask your question. Go ahead. Hello? You're on the air. Turn down your machine, whatever you're listening on. I don't care, whatever your listening device is, and talk to me. You're on the air. I don't know if they're there anymore. I think they are listening, but... You're on the air, whoever you are. That's it. Okay, Listen, we can't deal with that. If people want to call, you can call us at 718-683-5858. Somebody asked, uh, has emailed us already, uh, why is the, actually texted it in, you could text in to 347-927-8398, why is the shiny coating on the candy kosher? Well, I don't know exactly the question, but let's just go quickly into that topic. On the outside of a lot of things, there's a shiny substance and uh, what creates that shiny substance? Sometimes it's uh, on the outside of the candy. It's 
not what we're talking about, but sometimes it's made from, uh, it, it, it could be made from what they call l- lack bug. It, it, it's what they call, um, it, it, they, they call it lack. And it's uh, a resinous glaze, some people call it. You'll find it listed usually on, as resinous glaze on the, the candy wrapper. And that comes from a lack bug. A bug, right? We can't eat the bugs. We can't eat something that's produced by the bugs. But Ramosha finds in Zatzal Paskin that resinous glaze is kosher. Because the wet, what's produced from the lack bug, just like things that are produced, that you know that bees make honey and we eat that. So he, hold, he held that the lack, the, the, the lack we, we come from the lack bug we call uh, resinous glaze, he held that that is considered to be kosher. So the others may disagree, and each hashgacha may deal with it differently, and that usually is what produces the shiny coating on a candy. Uh, there are other, probably other coatings that may be, but that's, I think, what the gentleman or lady was asking about, and so that's what I want to answer on that. Since uh, we haven't got any other calls yet, then you can call us at 718-683-5858, or text us at 347-927-8398. We're going to go into some of the areas that we prepared for tonight. One of them is, there's a big meeting coming up now. It's called the ACCO. ACCO is the Association of Conscious Organizations. Believe it or not, over 100 different organizations are united through, an organ- through this umbrella organization called ACCO, Association of Conscious Organizations. It's in existence over 20 years. And uh, every year they have an annual conference. The only thing is that in the, in, in the middle of the years, last few years, they've created a special conference for Vadim. Not the big Ashkachas for the more, uh, the smaller the Vadim. It's d- dealing more with a lot of practical issues that Avada Kashras would take up. Uh, and the larger organizations have different interests, more sophisticated interests, but a lot of basic things that have to be taken care of on the Vad level is done at that, uh, at that conference. And this year, for the first time, they are not having their national conference, and they're going to have only a Vadim conference, and, the, and that's going to be in November 2nd to the 4th. Uh, I'm not planning to go, and uh, the people who are going, they stay there a couple of days, and they have a very interesting program, and I just wanted to give you a couple of highlights now, and maybe I'll be able to share some information with you, although they limit what I can say. I would like to share some of the information with you after the conference. But th- it's interesting just to read this, which is the uh, you know, agenda for the program, because it gives you an idea of what our conscious agencies are doing. Now, also you should know that you can't get into this organization just because you want to. You can't just pay the $250 a year fee and get in. In order to get in, you have to be accepted. And it's a standard. If you're an mem- ACO member, it's a statement. Their latest member has been on the outside of a well-known organization. It's the Washington uh, organization in, uh, in, in Washington, D.C. Uh, I don't remember the exact name right now, but it's the, 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 the Ashkocha in Washington, D.C. And they have just become a member of ACO. ACO doesn't take too many members, and uh, they have very strict rules about what you have to have to be a member of ACO. So I just want to share with you some of the discussions that are going on, because they're interesting, just the, the names alone. Number one, they're having a Shemitah 
section, which of course is, is normal at this time. And uh, one of the things they're going to discuss is greenhouse produce, non-Jewish produce. Because in Israel, there's a, a big problem during Shemitah. Some people, the Rabbanut has to sell the land to the Arabs. They have to sell it to non-Jews in order to get around the Shemitah problem so that they can produce foods and take them and say that they're really not Jewish, they're really owned by the non-Jews, even though the Jew owns it and will get it back afterwards. But for the time of Shemitah, the non-Jew makes a, a, a mechira, and technically he is the owner of almost Eretz, all Eretz Israel. And then this is a way that they get around the problem of Shemitah, because otherwise it would be too difficult in Eretz Israel for everybody to go Shemitah. And that's a, a decision was made back in the early days of the state of Israel. But uh, most of the Frum people try to not accept that. And even America, the OU and the national organizations and uh, the Hamish organizations and pretty much everybody will not accept Hetemachira. So one of the ways to get around this is um, the Shemitah problem is to get uh, non-Jewish produce in Eretz Israel, meaning that if the Arabs actually own uh, a piece of Eretz Israel on their own, not that the government is selling it to them for, 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 for Shemitah, but they own something. They're living in a the city. They're living around and they have a farm, and now they produce things in Eretz Israel in the land of Israel, but they're producing it by non-Jews. They don't have a mitzvah of Shemitah, so therefore, there's a machloikas. Some in Eretz Israel will use that, and others won't. The badats of the Eid HaRedes in Yerushalayim, their minig is that they use produce that's made, that's non-Jews produced, even though it's in the land of Israel. And others, like in Bnei Brak, uh, like uh, Shairis, is, uh, the, in, in Bnei Brak, will not accept non-Jewish produce produced in Israel. They have to get things that are from Chutz La'aretz. So that's some of the discussion that they're going to be having there. And then the next topic, I mean, just taking the highlights of some of these topics, is running a local VOD, cost, costs, fees, and strategies. So you understand what occupies the mind of an organization is the, uh, the, the nitty-gritty of what, what helps the organization continue, the costs and the fees, etc. Then there's another one which I like very much. I wish I can, I hope you'll be able to hear uh, or see something written up about this one. Caterers can pick any lock. Here's how to outsmart them. This is a good question. You know, you have to understand that uh, the caterer, if he's not religious, and hopefully if he, hopefully only if he's not religious or not Jewish, hopefully only those caterers, but a caterer could get into any lock, basically. Let's say, for example, there's a lock in his, um, a lock in his store, and he has to get in. So he can call a locksmith, and he can prove that he owns the place, and he can have the locksmith break the lock and 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 or produce a key and get in, or find out some way to bypass it because these people are legitimate. Just like your car, you can't open the car door. You call uh, you call Chaverim, and Chaverim comes with a jiffy and uh, whatever it's called. Uh, I forget what the exact name is it, and they stick the thing in, and they, and they can open up your car. So the gun of them have it, and the from a people have it. So here you have a uh, an owner, and he wants to get into his his own 
facility. He says, I'm locked out. I don't have my key. And sure enough, somebody for $75, $150 will come along and get him in. So now the cashless agencies have to find a way to counteract that or they have nothing. They say, oh, we have the keys. You have the keys, but if the fellow can get in at any time and he has a locksmith that's going to bring down, so then you, you don't have anything. You, you have the keys at the technical statement, but it doesn't prove anything. If he can get in, then you're having the keys. There's absolutely nothing for you. So that's, uh, you know, that's a, a topic uh, that, that I think is very, very interesting. Then they, uh, another one is the factory inspections, what large agencies expect from you when they make factory inspections. Another one on kosher tech, which is very interesting about the technology that's used in the, in the body of kosher today. Next one I really like, coping with party planners. I don't know if you know about it. We've talked about it on the air that party planners present problems for cashless agencies, for the host, because party planners tend to bring things in that are not under the certification. They will buy something or they're sent to buy something and they may buy from a different source. They are very, very, it's very hard to be on top of a party planner. I dealt with one party planner one time and I, I was hoping never to ever do it again. Well, the one time, they're very from people, and you know they were doing a party for us, and we had to get them, we told them exactly what we want. And sure enough, the lady was calling up from different stores, can I use this, can I not use this? Why can't I use this? <laughs> I always use this. And it was really becoming a, you know, a little of an issue. And I see how easily people can be fooled by these party planners. But that's a very interesting phenomenon. They're aware of these problems now, and this is how they're dealing with it. Afrasha's Chal is another one. And then insect updates. But I like the title. I'm not going to share with you any of the details, but I will share with you the title. Sifting Through Myths scares, and real concerns. That's a, that's a heavy topic. What is a real concern regarding the insect uh, issues? I, I heard there was, a, there was a, a speaker in Borough Park a week ago, and I'm supposedly going to get a tape, and the rabbi uh, talked about the, the, the orange juice thing, and he said um, he didn't think that the orange juice was really a problem, but he was worried about pineapple juice. So there you go. In other words, we're in the middle of these different things. Until we hear final results, we just don't know. Um, and again, it, and there are many different people. That's why we have a rav. You have your own rav. Ask your own rav. And if it doesn't have a rav, you go to Kashrus Agency, whichever one you feel is the best that you can get. Now, I'm going to finish off here a little more, and then we'll go on to some of the other things that are happening. Um, another one, another session inspiring cooperation using love. I like that very much, and I see Lenny's, Rabbi Lenny Steinberg is one of the speakers, very good friend, and he's talking about how to work with, with you know, the in-between, the hashkacha, to the mashkiach, to the workers, to the owner or the caterer. It's a real game to play, trying to uh, keep everybody, you know, working with you. I still remember one of the first times I, I met Rabbi Juravel, and, and he was uh, Abram Juravel, and he was at a different 
a certain place he was kashering. In those days he worked for college insurance and he was kashering a hotel for a catering affair. And uh, he taught me then, he says, he always comes with booze. He always comes with some something to give the, the workers there so that they will work hard and they'll cooperate with him. And I saw that he slaps them on the back. You know, he knew that the main thing is this getting along with the people that you have to work with because they will help you or they'll burn you. And you really have to work with them. Anybody who can't get along should be out of Kashrus. That's that's the, the beginning of the uh, beginning of Kashrus is getting along with the people you're working with. Another session, which I think our listeners will enjoy very much, and I definitely want to get information about this. I hope I will. If I don't, I hope somebody out there will do it for me. There's a rabbi, Emmanuel Gold, Goldfies, unless I'm pronouncing it wrong. He's the Rav of Kehilas, Kehilat Beit Yaakov and in Baltimore, and the Rav Machshir of the Star K. He's one of the people who are working on the, I'm sorry, Star S. He's not Star K, I'm sorry. There's a Star S. The Star K in Baltimore also sponsors Star S, which is for Sephardim, and it's working only with the, with the Sephardic needs and hashkochas that, will, that are appropriate for Sephardim. So that's Rabbi Emmanuel Goldfeis, and he's talking about accommodating the Sephardic community. So this is the first time I've ever seen something like this, where Sephardim are being given the importance that the Kashrus agencies are analyzing what they should do, could do, may be able to do, and etc. for the Sephardim. I talk about it all the time. I tell people, go ahead and ask for Bishu Yisrael Pesfadim or Bishu Yisrael, you know, uh, well, I'll, I'll pee Yisrael. But whatever you want, I, 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 instead of relying on pilot lights and turning the fires on, get the food put on by a, a Jew. That's a, a big thing. That, that's what the Sephardim need and other things that the Sephardim need. But I just wanted you to hear that. I think it's the first time I've ever heard about discussing in an open fashion trying to upgrade Kashrus for the Sephardim across the board. That's a beautiful topic, accommodating the Sephardic community. And then there's some other interesting ones. I, the one I like the best at the end is Rabbi Binyamin Taub from the RCBC is going to talk about encouraging whistleblowers, which is, of course, me, encouraging whistleblowers, people who are making announcements that something is wrong, reporting to the people that uh, something is wrong, raising questions to the cautious agencies. That's what I do all day. And he says, encouraging us. Well, I, I was encouraged by the topic. And that completes a little bit of the ACO conference. I have many more things to discuss with you, but I want to hear from you. So call us at 718-683-5858. We're going to get to your questions soon. I have a couple of people who texted in. We're going to deal with them. But you can call us at 718-683-5858 or text us at 927-8398. And I want to do a test, and then to see if the test works. Uh, I want to test and see if people are really listening to me today, and how many. And therefore, I'm going to make an, a special, which I don't think I've ever had on the radio, and that is that if you call 718-336-8544, that's the number of the Kashrus Magazine office. Again, 718 
336-8544. You can uh, leave your name. We'll call you back. And this is the special offer tonight. Two subscriptions for $25. A regular subscription is $25, and we're going to give you two subscriptions for $25. That means you can give a gift to somebody. You can send one to your office. You can give one to your rabbi. You can give one to the synagogue, to the shul, the yeshiva, whatever you'd like. You can get two subscriptions, give a gift, tell somebody you're giving them a gift. They might think it's worth a little more, but it's going to cost you zero. So two subscriptions for $25. The only thing I ask is that the person you're giving the subscription to is not on our list already, is not a subscriber already. But yourself, if you're even if you're a subscriber, you can add on a free subscription. If you call this week, call right now, leave, leave, your, leave a message, 718-336-8544 again. 718-336-8544 and leave your information and we'll call you back at your credit card or tell you how to write a checkout to Cautious Magazine. You get five issues of the magazine plus... The Kosher Supervision Guide, which is a $12 book, you get that absolutely free. It's a it's a, it's a 200-page book with all the Hashgachas in the whole world. One, uh, 1,269, I believe. Anyway, um, that's how to reach us. And our email address, you can uh, email us or you can text us at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. So again, K-A-S-H-R-U-S at AOL.com. Two subscriptions for $25 for the year. That's a uh, 100% savings on the second subscription or 50% price, whatever you want to call it. And uh, you could on the internet, when you do the cautious at AOL.com, you can leave your name and the name of the other person. You can leave your credit card information. It's safe. And then we'll get back to you right away and let you know everything happened, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Let's go on to, um, going to go on to your questions. People have been texting in, and you can text us at 347-927-8398. But before that, I just want to say a word about our sponsor, which is Glotmart. Glotmart is conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. And they've been working in the uh, for the... Uh, Jewish community of Flatbush for the last 35 years. Glatmart uh, is a place that you can see that has, it offers convenience, quality, and uh, service, and, a, uh, and, and makes your shopping experience easier. The, we, the simplest way to come to the Glatmart is to go down the East 12th Street entrance and leave your car at the valet parking service and they'll have it ready for you to pick up all those wonderful items you purchased in the store. And at Glotmart, you're getting quality kashrus. The, the, uh, the meats are A1, and they're certified by both the Star K and the Vada Kashrus of Flatbush. And expert Nikor, and you're getting uh, base Yosef meats. It's a wonderful opportunity to, to shop in an easy environment for shopping. And at uh, Glotmart, you can be sure that their concern is for you. They've been servicing us for the 35 years, and their their concern is for the needs of the consumer. So if you go to Glotmart and you see Dove, 
tell them you heard about Glockmark over J Root Radio. And uh, you can see, you can visit him at 1205 Avenue M. And at Glockmark, meeting your needs is their top priority. So try it out. If you haven't been there, give it a whirl and see if you're not as, as satisfied as we all are with Glockmark. Get back to um, the topics that, are, that people have been asking about. Someone t- texted in, does a nylon scrubber need a hechsher? Well, nylon scrubber, if it doesn't have any, uh, if, if you don't have any, um, any soap inside, then there shouldn't be any concern. When you have those brillos or whatever is with the soap inside, there is a concern. Halachically, if you used it, you don't make anything trafe because the the Brillo, whatever it is that has the soaps, is not edible. So it can't make your silverware trafe, it can't do anything lamaisa. But since you can get, with kosher certification, the cleansers, uh, we're talking now about the um, any of the cleansers, you should get it with kosher certification for those things that touch your food, and that you use in your sink. That's how Rav Zim and Zatzal taught us, that even though it can't become treif, but lechatchili you should use kosher. And uh, it, most of the uh, products that we need are available with a kosher variety. It's very rare that you won't have it. But if you use the other one, it doesn't make it anything treif in your, in your house. So that uh, takes care of that, that question. And if you want to reach us, you can... Do what I said. Oh, okay, here, somebody asked me, hi, are you affiliated with one particular kashrus agency? No, I work for Kaddish Baruch Hu. I don't make any money in kashrus. I have never worked a day in kashrus in my life. I work in a magazine that deals with kashrus, kashrus magazine for 35 years serving the Jewish community, just like Clark Martin. It started in 1980, and this is uh, this is the beginning of this is now the beginning of our thirty fifth year. We just put out information. I deal with all the Kashrus agencies. I have um, entree to anybody in Kashrus, and we have a lot of people on who come on to our show from the Kashrus community. I'm aware of what's going on. I have my finger on the pulse, and I report to my my readers. I don't take any money. I never did. I don't plan to. And I don't, I've never worked in Kashrus. But I know what's going on in Kashrus. And if you let me alone in a facility, I could tell you an issue or two, or maybe more, that needs correcting. Why? Because I studied it. But I studied it, but not worked in it. So that's the answer to that. We're not affiliated with anybody. And we thank you very much for listening and for participating. Something, do we have a radio station? This is the radio station. You hear us, whatever, however you're communicating with us now, this is it, J Root Radio. The easiest way to reach us is on the internet, which is uh, over jrootradio.com, or you can call 718-506-9099, anytime, day or night, 718-506-9099, and you get live J Root Radio. You have to push one, and then you push one again. That's how you get J Root Radio over the telephone. There's another phone number, 712-432-4217, and people can get the J Root 
app by going to jrootradio.com and downloading the app. Since we're talking about JRoot, I want to just add one more thing before we go on with our topics tonight about Kashrus. JRoot Radio has been serving the community for three and a half years, I believe it is, almost four years, and um, we're doing a tremendous service. Thousands and thousands of people listening to this, these shows, and we get a lot of feedback from it, and that's that's why we... Uh, right now, JRoot needs to buy a piece of equipment that costs, please sit down, it costs $10,000. not going to get into details, but, but we, we, we got a lot of things we need over here, but the biggest need right now is for this piece of equipment that costs $10,000. And if anybody out there wants to help us, whether it's to take the full amount or just to make a contribution, you could text us now at 347-927-8398. Just text us 347-927-8398. Don't give us any more details other than your telephone number. And we're going to call you and see in which way you could help JRoot. So again, text to 347-927-8398. And if you want to call the studio, you'll speak to uh, uh, the head of the studio. He's here now, 718-683-5858. And we'll try to take your donation for JRoot for our equipment, which we need, which is $10,000. If you have any way in which to help us, we certainly appreciate it. Of course, the smallest donations are accepted, but we do really need that money now. So if anybody out there would like to do a mitzvah that will affect thousands of people, this is a great opportunity. And now let's return to the programming that we're doing tonight, which is to discuss a number of issues that are affecting us today in the conscious world. When I, I prepared for tonight is to tell you a little bit about what is going on in the general community of Kashrus. These are areas that I've been looking into that we're preparing for our December issue of Kashrus magazine. The October one is out now, but the December issue is going to take up some of these topics. One of the things that I found very interesting and scary and terribly involved is the Shrita problem across the world. I became about became aware of it in a very, very specific way, which I'm going to mention to you in just a moment. But first, let me tell you a little bit of recap what's going on. Some time ago in, the, uh, in Poland, they uh, basically caused a, a terror in, uh, in basically outlawing the Shrita as we know it, and it created a tremendous negative effect in all of Europe, because, believe it or not, somewhere in the area of $500 million was in kosher meat that was coming out of that country. $500 million. That's not pennies. That's millions. $500 million they lost when they outlawed Shrita. So other countries like Lithuania have tried to pick up and get all that money. And they've just now, Lithuania has been decided to do kosher meat to help the, the Eastern European countries, and specifically uh, the European, Western European countries, and to, and of course, to cash in on that $500 million. They have working out deals with Israel, 
and Lithuania is going to pick up the slack. At the same time, Belgium has uh, <laughs> a gentleman, if you want to call him that. He's part of the uh, far-right group called Vlaams Belang. It's a party over there. I don't know, I can't pronounce it properly. And he is trying to submit a bill proposing a blanket ban on Schrita. So that's a pretty scary area right now is Belgium. And it seems that uh, this ban really was directed for the Muslims with their halal, but uh, it's, it obviously would end up being a problem for Shrita as well. So this is a little bit of what's going on. Anyway, I got a call. Call comes from somebody who was in Costa Rica. And he said to me, I'm here now, I'm going back to the States, and I want to take care of this right now. There's a gentleman who is in Shrita up to his neck or higher. This is his business. This is what he lives from. And he's worried that there's going to be a ban in Costa Rica. Now, for those listeners that don't understand what I'm saying, I want to explain it to you simply. Almost everybody listening to me eats meat, glot kosher, here in the United States, in Brooklyn, New York, in the United States, that's coming from Costa Rica. Because all of those countries, Uruguay, Costa Rica, are where the shritas are going, the American shritas are being made over there. And in Costa Rica now, they're planning to ban, or they're trying to ban, or they're discussing banning, shrita completely. Get rid of it. Which is going to unbelievably affect us, where I've always said that in this country, we need to make a shrita USA, which officially I really made up, but it, I don't have any money or time to be, to be busy with it. I, I begged the conscious organizations, I begged ACO to help me, and no one wants to, they, they don't want to get into this area. But we're going to have a problem here, Chas Shalom, and here it's indirect way we're going to have a problem, that if Costa Rica offers Shrita, then we have to go to another country. And it's going to cost us more. And this is going to happen in the country after country, until this country wakes up and says, we have to do, we're not going to war, we're not taking our troops and moving into another country, but we do have to get involved in protecting Shrita across the world, because in the end, we're going to lose. Anyway, let's not deal with whether I'm right or wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Anyway, this is Costa Rica. So the gentleman called me up, what can I do for this so I told him to call, call me. I'll try to call him. I tried to reach him and couldn't get through. He called me. We talked in Hebrew because he doesn't speak English. And uh, I don't speak whatever else he speaks. I don't speak Spanish or anything. But I but Hebrew I, I can do, Yiddish I can do, and a little Gemara Lotion. Anyway, so I spoke to him. And he asked me what to do. So I gave him a list of people who will help him. I gave him a long list of people who would know the information that he needs to be able to fight back against the ban. And I gave him contact information, the tele- their, their email addresses, websites, etc. and I set him up. And he's going to take that to the community leaders in Costa Rica, and that is my involvement in Costa Rica Kashras. They are planning a, they didn't get to a ban yet, but they're planning a uh, they're going to make a uh, an assembly to, uh, to 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 recommend banning the uh, banning Shrita in in Costa Rica. 
that's how far it got so far. It was on the radio and was different organizations are involved in it. And it really is hot and heavy. And I'm sure it'll hit the news someday. Hopefully it won't. Hopefully it'll be squashed. But this is a little bit of an idea of what is going on in the real world out there. And maybe someday we'll be able to, um, uh, maybe someday we'll be able to uh, uh, make some Shrita USA that's handling uh, these, these, these organizations, the, handling the problems across the world and making a, a real contribution. Right now, there's only one organization that I know of that's really actively involved, and that is called uh, Shrita UK, which is for the United Kingdom. They are the most involved. Now, that's end of that topic. I want to share with you now a little bit about a very interesting thing that I read. It's about the uh, greenhouses that are in Jordan, the country Jordan. Who is doing this? Some rich uh, investors from Israel are doing uh, bug-free produce because of the Shemitah year, because we can't do it in Israel unless you rely on Hetem Mechira. So they're, do, they're producing the lettuce and the other uh, vegetables in Jordan. This is a very interesting story. I, I can't tell you all the details now because we don't have enough time, but it's a very exciting thing. Anyway, it seems that it all started 14 years ago, two Shemitahs ago. And in those days, the, there was, uh, the people who were eating these vegetables, the makpidan, bug-free vegetables, were 10% of the, um, of, of the population. And the number now, 14 years later, this is an interesting number, is between 15 and 18% of the population is makbid on bug-free vegetables. Now, it doesn't sound like a lot, 15 to 18% in Israel, but it almost doubled in 14 years. So it seems that the people who are, whether the dati or charedi or whatever they call themselves, it seems that we're upping the interest in the bug-free vegetables. On the scarier side, it seems like even if they're, they're not all the from people, what we call from people, are mockpit on it. But it's a very interesting number, 15 to 18%. How they got this, I don't know. In, okay, so they, the Eid HaCharedis goes there and is giving hashkocha in Jordan. Now, to go into Jordan, it's a whole story. I, I, I don't have time to read the, what I have here, which is very, very interesting. I'm going to put it into the uh, into into the magazine, and uh, they discuss how they examined for the the insects and and how they dealt with the Arabs, how they how they made the arrangements with the Arab uh, farmers in order to let them come in. It's very cute. Uh, some of the things that, that 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 happened over there. One of the things that mashgichim have to do is to check for holes, because greenhouses are not guarantees that there's no bugs there. You see, a greenhouse could keep the bugs out, but the smallest hole is enough for these bugs to get into. So it has to be where you'll see double doors and then all kinds of other things that that prevent anybody, any bug from getting in. So one of the jobs of the mashkichim is to check the greenhouses for holes. Now remember, we're not talking about, uh, we're talking about bugs, not elephants. So the mashkichim have to go through the very tedious job of checking 
all the long lines of greenhouses for even the tiniest hole. And if they find one, they have to try to plug it up somehow. This isn't the first time the Yedah Haredes went there. They did it, as I said, 14 years ago, and then, of course, seven years ago. But this year, they're doing it in a huge way. Okay? There are 180 greenhouses set up last Shemitah. Um, I'm sorry, uh, I think last Shemitah, 180 greenhouses. Obviously, they're going to have more and more t- this year. Now, when you go to a place like, uh, you know, uh, you go to a place like Jordan, so right away, everything changed. Remember, these producers were producing in Israel. These investors have companies in Israel. Now, in Israel, they use the people from Thailand. They're the best pickers uh, of produce. Why? I don't know. But that seems to be the best people to hire. So the problem is that the Jordanians are not such good uh, workers in the field, and therefore they're not, there's no comparison between them and the Thais, which makes it difficult to produce the volume at the price you want, etc., etc., etc. So therefore they were in a pickle. What do they do? So they went ahead, these investors, and they got the Jordan Agriculture Ministry, they got them to approve using Egyptian workers. So it's cute. They had the, the Israeli investors with the Hashgacha of the Eidach HaRedis, with rabbis checking to make sure that the, 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 it's absolutely bug-free. Because once you find one bug or two bugs in there, and it's going to kill their whole business. So it has to be really bug-free. And they have, uh, and, and now they got arrangements to get the Egyptians to work in Jordan to do, produce kosher vegetables for Israel, and of course, many of us in the States will end up with the same produce too, because it'll be sold here just as well. It's like Alei Katif was always sold here. These, whatever they're making over there is going to end up here. So you are getting, uh, you're going to be getting salad greens that were picked by Egyptians for you in Jordan during the Shemitah year. I think it's a wonderful little story in and of itself. We'll call a man Katif. <laughs> it's really a cute, really a cute thing. And, and they got 200 workers involved. Anyway, it's a very interesting thing. I don't have time to go into all the details. But I, well, I want to tell you one story that I read, which I, I enjoyed very much. And that's about this Rabbi Sternfeld. This Rabbi Sternfeld, Shmuel Sternfeld, he works for the Yedah Haredes. And uh, one time, he was, this is a different story, but it's a great story. He, uh, he, he, was working, he was visited a large company, and he opened a jar of spices and showed the managers that the spices they were selling were filled with bugs. So the managers were very surprised. They didn't realize what happened to the spice that, that caused this, because they never had bugs before. So Rabbi Sternfeld explained to them that the company recently added dill to the spice. And dill is an herb that attracts insects and other pests. So for this reason, this is interesting now, whoever has a plant bed, whether you're doing it in your backyard or someplace else, and aphids or other insects attack it, the, one of the best ways to get rid of the bugs in the, your back in your farm or your backyard or your garden is to plant dill, because the bugs will come and attack the dill, and they'll leave the other plants alone. It's an amazing thing. So Rabbi Sternfeld advised the company to take dill out of their spices, and then the bugs disappeared. 
very interesting as to show how sophisticated and aware these people are who are working for the ADA and, and trying to make sure that they are bug-free produce. There's another story about a Rabbi Shisha, and he saw a, a packet of granola and found a worm inside. I'm sorry, I guess I'm saying a little wrong. There's a, Rabbi Shisha mentioned that a person said to him, or he heard about the story, that a person ate a worm, a real worm, inside a packet of granola. So that man was so upset, he charged the company and sued them. But the company had gone bankrupt, and there was no way they could pay him. So then this guy, and this is very important in this story, he decided to, to switch and to sue the Eda HaKaredis for the worm that was in the uh, granola that he bought. The agriculture ministry in Israel sent an extremely warm letter to the court, praising the Eda Haredis and talking about their, their methods of cleanliness and, and uh, their efforts to find worms in the food. And, the, and on reading the ministry's rare and exceptional letter of support, the judge dismissed the case. The reason I'm so interested in this story of Rabbi Shisha is that it's going to happen here someday. Somebody is going to get sick, and they're going to say, you claimed it's bug-free. It says it in your tuuda. It says it on your packaging. It says it in your letter of certification that you're guaranteeing that this has been checked for bugs, and there's this very dangerous worm or insect that was in here, and I got it from your product, and we now will not understand Ebola is not going to come through that, but probably, but the point is, we know there are many diseases that are, that are transferred that way, and if the, it's good, possibly going to be that the cautious agency could be sued. This, of course, would change the whole nature of cautious in the United States. But I just thought that was a little interesting. Now, the last part of the thing that we were talking about with the, uh, with the Shemitah is that last Shemitah, four, uh, seven years ago, the Eda Haredes spent $300,000 in photographic technology, including a camera antenna, a GPS satellite system, in order to take care of the Arab fields. The Ada Haredes says its main concern is regarding the Arab produce, in, in regard to the uh, Arab produce, is that data of the Ministry of Culture show there's a leakage of 30% of the fruits of the Arab, the Arab Israeli market. It's possible, they say, that there's a reverse trend of Israeli non-kosher products being sold as Arab crop. That's the key thing. Now, there's another story I have. I'm not getting. I can't get into it tonight. It's not out of time. It's about the Karaites making what they call Karaite kosher here in the United States. It's the first time in history they're making Karaite kosher. They're doing shrita without not real shrita. Whatever the Karaites karoyim what they call kosher, is going to be made in this country by a company, ready for this, Six, uh, uh, six Star. I'm sorry, yeah, Six Star. It's going to be, it's called Six Star. Uh, it's very scary because you know what Six Stars is. Okay, anyway, that's what it's calling itself, Six Star, and they're making, uh, the, they call kosher, but karite kosher. It's a whole story. I'm going to get, maybe I'll get into another time. It's very interesting that Karai kosher. But what he's talking about over here is that the Eda Haredes is concerned that in, the United, that in Israel, 
they're going to be getting products that claim to be from Arabs, and they're really not even kosher at all. And that, that they are selling kosher, and it's really coming from Karaites in Israel. So that's really, we have uh, a, a tremendous incentive to cheat. And that's what their concern is. So what do they want to do? Get ready for this. For this Shemitah, the Eid HaRais is considering using unmanned aerial vehicles, UAVs, and other measures to ensure that the products keep their level of kashras. In other words, drones. That you're going to use drones or UAVs up in the air to watch the fields. Amazing. That's this new, this new Shemitah year. So the Eid HaRais, at least you can see, is on top of their game. They're doing the best job that they possibly can do uh, to service us. So that's a very interesting thing. Uh, another, another thing we'll share in just before the end, maybe we'll do the Karite thing if I can find it, because I have a, a piece on the Karites. It seems that the uh, Karite Jews of America, whatever they are really, in Israel they've had problems from the Karites for a long time now. I'm getting pieces from the government of Israel that, the shipments are being claimed to be kosher, and they're really Karaite kosher. They're doing shrita in Israel according to the Karaite method for the Karaites. Now, I didn't think that the Karoyim existed in any significant number. I saw them 30, 40 years ago in Israel, and I thought they were dying out, but it's not so. It seems Six Star Foods is making a whole business about it. They want to do shrita, or what they call shrita, it's really uh, Karaite kosher in Israel based upon the Bible, of course, but not the Chazal, not the uh, Shulchan Aruch, not the, the Gemara, because they have a different concept of what is what is the Halos, because they didn't have Torah Shabbat Peh, after Sefer Yoshua, they have nothing. So anyway, whatever it is, there's an organization in Israel called Universal Karaite Judaism, and in America, it's called Karaite Jews of, of America, and guess where they're located? In California, where everything Everything nutty is located. They have Cal- it's called Daily City, California. And listen to what they, their interest level is. Very scary to me. Why do they want to go into this? Not just to import from Israel, but to produce Karai kosher here. This is the words in their PR material. There's an increasing Karai population through conversions both gear and acceptance by former rabbinate Jews. In other words, they're claiming that people are going through gavers and becoming these Karaites, and that people maybe are drifting to them. And they talk about it in the literature that, that some of the people who keep kosher now might go into Karaite kosher. This is a tremendous fear that, that it's splintering down to the point where you're going to have um, you know, different kinds of kosher. A very scary possibility. Hopefully nothing will come of it, but that's, that's the way they're talking in the PR for this company called Six Star Foods. And uh, this is the first time they're doing anything here uh, outside of Israel, but uh, they say that they're interested in what he says. The customary, second, sorry, secondary customer base are those who seek an alternative to kosher meat and poultry. That there are people out there and you've heard it yourself, some of the Reformed Jews, etc., that don't want we call kosher, they want echo-kosher. They want to go into other issues. And uh, I have material here of very interesting nature 
uh, which is about a fair trade and kosher. It seems that a lot of Jews who are not really religious at all, uh, reform, etc., they're interested in what they call fair trade, making sure that the companies that produce the foods come from countries where they, they're treating the workers properly, paying them properly, and they're not slaves, that they're working in a way that's decent uh, surroundings, decent conditions, and if not, it's not fair trade. So they're trying to, right now, they're coupling fair trade and kosher together and getting products that have ashkacha that also have fair trade, and they're promoting them to the Jews. But of course, what's step two? Fair trade without kosher. And it's a very scary possibility. The alternative koshers that are, that are presenting themselves to us in our community today. So I'm sorry we didn't get any other callers so far. Anybody still wants to call, we're at 718-683-5858. And this is Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. And I want to reiterate the two things that I mentioned earlier. One is that we're on JRoot, and JRoot has need of some sophisticated, important equipment and uh, uh, that we need... Uh, and the cost is $10,000. If anybody would like to contribute, whether it's a small amount or large amount, you can text at 347-927-8398, and you can call the studio now at 718-683-5858. But the texting is fine at 347-927-8398. The other thing that I offered before was a very big special. I want to see how many of you... Are, Interested in it? It's two for the price of one. Two subscriptions to Conscious Magazine, all the issues for the year, plus the Kosher Supervision Guide, which is a $12 item. All of that for $25, but we're giving you two subscriptions. You can take the second one at your office, at your, at your business. You can give it to a doctor, you can give it to a friend, you can give it to your children, you can give it to your parents, you can give the other subscription to the yeshiva, to the rabbi in the shul, whatever you'd like. The only thing we ask is that the person you give it to is a new name in our system. You can be in our system and add on a year, no problem at all. But just the other person should be new to us. So you call us at 718 336 8544. Again, 718-336-8544 or email us at kashrus at aol.com. That's K-A-S-H-R-U-S at aol.com. Again, K-A-S-H-R-U-S at aol.com. And until next week, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler for Kashrus on the Air. One second, okay. We have a question about sugar. If you need to sift it, you get it here. It came in. Uh, sugar, if it needs to be sifted, as far as I know, no. Okay. And I want to just to tell the, our listeners that uh, we have some changing in the schedule. And tonight we're starting a new uh, winter schedule, let, let's say, like this that uh, uh, Rabbi Weinberg will be today, every Monday, from 8 to 10, live. Uh, on the on the live video streaming and uh, the audio streaming, so just uh, everybody everybody can use his knowledge, and uh, this will be the new schedule, new timing for Rabbi uh, Weinberg every week from Monday, eight to ten.
So, Bezat Hashem, I will see you there. Right now is the Sha'a of the Kids Hour. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi.